Welcome to episode 5 of Crushing Disappointment. In this episode, I'm chatting to Sophia about her crush on the wrestler Triple H. You might remember a couple of episodes ago, I was talking about whether these episodes should have tangents or if we should just stick to the crush. In this episode, we do just talk about Triple H. If you want a more informed discussion about the ins and outs of wrestling, I'd advise checking out episode 42 of Elle Collins' Into It podcast, where she chats with Danielle Matheson, the assistant editor of With Spandex. This discussion is mostly me pretending to know what I'm talking about, having done a few Googles, and then asking Sophia about her hazy recollection from over a decade ago. What else I got to say? The editing. So the editing of this episode is the most extreme so far. At the end of the conversation, we had, we discussed Triple H's various different looks chronologically, and. I had the bright idea of deciding to cut up the rest of the conversation, chop it up, and move it into that structure. The benefits of that are we have a better structure. Maybe we lose the flow of a natural conversation. Yeah, so it's more of a patchwork quilt or a um, Frankenstein's monster rather than an actual recording of what happened. I've split sentences apart and stuck them together. I think there's a question and answer which weren't originally together, which I've now stuck together. And. Well, there's quite a lot of times where I'll take a word to stitch two bits together. So I think there's um, an and, which is used twice. So uh, look out for that. Much like how episode three was about Pure Shores, so a song which we couldn't play. This episode, because we're talking about Triple H's appearance. If you do want to check out those images that we're talking about, I'll whack those into the description. I have been putting these podcasts out fortnightly. The original plan that I lined out in the first episode was for them to be monthly. But because I'd recorded a few over the Christmas holidays, I had a few backed up, I've been able to put them out more rapidly. The Because of this crazy editing that I'm doing, I'm going to have to slow down. So I'm not sure when the next one's going to come out. Might be in a month, might be three weeks. I might even get it done in two weeks. But um, I guess the only way you'll know is if you subscribe. And while you're subscribing, you might as well go and rate the podcast five stars. I mean, why wouldn't you? Or leave a review. Because, I mean, the only reason I'm doing this is for validation. So, um, I mean, that would be amazing. Oh, and as this is going out, the Sunday coming up, that's actually WrestleMania. So this is perfect time for this episode to go out. Um, I'm actually going to be watching that with Sophia. So, um, yeah, I hope you enjoy. This is episode five. Here's the crush. How did you get into wrestling? My two older brothers used to love it and so because I never got to decide what was on the TV we, <laughs> we used to watch Raw on a Friday night and then I ended up liking it and so on Saturday morning I remember I used to end up like emptying the dishwasher or something and I'd put Smackdown on and would watch it just by myself but I think I always liked the soap aspect of it I liked it when they you know when one of them would be talking it might be in the locker room and then someone else would just come in and start like fighting them and you'd be like oh snap I didn't see it coming so I think I quite liked the stories behind it. I always thought that the actual wrestling was a bit boring. Okay, yeah, because I, w- I was going to ask, because you've got all these different elements of, you do have like the stories and then yeah. the, the fights themselves and like the opening. There's all these different elements. So with the, actually we could probably go Triple H. Like, so Triple H specifically, do you have stories that come to mind with him? I don't know how invested I was in him. So I think that actually those kind of, drama bit you know because I I guess fancied him him then getting with Stephanie 
I remember that was like outrageous. But I think that him wrestling because he was generally quite good around that time, or he cheated, which actually wasn't... I quite liked it because it was interesting. I liked whenever people kind of went away from the rules and then they'd jump out the ring and beat them outside the ring mm-hmm. if they weren't getting back in. But I think that I didn't... I don't actually like mean people, so I didn't <laughs> like when he'd go and do a bullying thing, so I don't know if maybe I wiped more of that out of my head. But I don't remember really kind of following his career or journey in it, you know, and... and really enjoying his rise to fame i think that i probably just did it to be annoying <laughs> one of those things didn't it where you realize actually your grumpy brothers probably hated you because you were annoying <laughs> you just did loads of stuff to irritate them because i yeah i like i remember a lot of i remember a lot of the wrestlers kind of theme tunes and the outfits mm-hmm. and the general aura of them and like the undertaker rising from his coffin and stuff but i think it was all of the surrounding things to wrestle in so i know some of the moves mostly because my brother would like put me in a figure four headlock or all around that but i think that actually i i probably because it wasn't my it wasn't an interest that came from me Mm -hmm. maybe i didn't actually pay that much attention at all to the to the wrestling bit can you remember what like your first memory of triple h i remember (laughs) seeing a poster of him and I, I think it might have actually been that one of my brothers had it and it was like quite a long, almost full length poster. And I remember being like, oh, maybe this is my new crush. <laughs> and then I think it was. And so I remember that and I remember him and The Rock clashing. So I kind of remember that, but I think that he was definitely introduced to me as the villain. How how do you define it as a crush based on, I guess you could say that The Rock is my favourite wrestler or Triple H is my favourite wrestler, but a crush would be a, a different emotion, I guess. Like, what makes you perceive it in that way? Yeah, I think that is true. I, I, I liked the kind of notoriety of him, I think. I think that I thought that The Rock did a good job and I didn't dislike The Rock or anything like that. But Triple H, I guess I was kind of much more excited or thrilled when he when he would win and kind of prosper. So I think that... But I never I never really... I never was, like, under the illusion that he was a good person. Yeah. And I don't even know if I thought that objectively he was good-looking or anything like that. I think that I just thought that he was he was the baddie and he was kind of the one that I was rooting for, yeah. <laughs> which, is, which isn't good. But, but I probably kind of in general, maybe even liked The Rock more, but but just not in that, like, oh, I'm going to marry him way. So Triple H, like, who, what was Triple H's character? Like, who was he? What did he look like? Oh, God, yeah. So greasy shoulder length, mousy coloured hair. He, I remember him a lot with, like, a lot of stubble. He's got quite a big face, you know, forehead and nose. Yeah, it's very sharp, like Dracula, Mm -hmm. but not as mysterious <laughs> and then he was quite beefy and his um outfit was always just speedos i think from what <laughs> yeah. i remember sometimes he used to tie his hair back when he got like further into i was gonna say the game then <laughs> so he is the game but when he got like further into it, i remember he used to either wrestle less or he'd do a lot of the other stuff as well so then you saw him in suits quite a bit mm-hmm. with like his hair tied back when he was trying to be smart but yeah he's not 
he was quite beefy, but not very attractive. And I always say the thing that makes me the saddest about it is that he was definitely on it at the same time as The Rock. And like, The Rock's just so beautiful. Yeah. He's just like tanned and he had a great, very, he had quite like an angular haircut. I remember mm-hmm. those days. He used to wear his Speedos as well, but he was just so much, he was a nicer character and just so much more attractive. Yeah. And in my child self was like oh triple h that's <laughs> that's who i'm going for because the clips i was watching like actually so i'm going to use my wrestling terms that i've discovered so yeah. you have faces and heels so a baby face is essentially a good guy okay. and a heel is a bad guy and triple h was predominantly a heel Definitely. occasionally it would flip over but yeah for the most part a heel would you say that was why you liked him over the rock Maybe. I do. I have always had a thing, which I think is not a bad, it's a bad habit to have, where if someone or something is very well liked, I'm, I always try not to like it. Because, yeah. you know, you know, like when people loved Twilight, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't, I'm just immediately not into it because like, everyone's going wild for it. So I don't know if it was that to do with The Rock, if because he was such an obvious choice. Yeah. If maybe I was... Because I know him and Triple H had quite a bit of beef. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if then I was like, oh, but you know, Triple H is badass and he's different and he's the one that everyone hates, so maybe I'll like him. Yeah. I don't know if I did that, but I just think it was a really bad choice. <laughs> so were your brothers like fans of The Rock? Yeah, they liked The Rock. The amount of times around our house that someone would just be like, can you smell <laughs> what The Rock do do is cooking, <laughs> My mum used it the other day as well. <laughs> she wrote it in like a card. So you're, I don't know, you're watching the match with your brothers and the rock is pounding into Triple H and your <laughs> brothers are cheering. Are you, are you distraught? Like, how do you move on? I, I think that I probably would have like shouted at my brothers. I think I would have taken it out on them and been like, oh, I hate you. Know, I hate you both. Why are you being so mean to him? Come on, Triple H. And I would have just been against them. I think that I took <laughs> took a lot of it out on them. But, <laughs> but I do think that part of the reason that I probably liked him was because they were so like anti him or just so pro like The Rock and everyone else. So I think it's good to be an opposite. And they always just knew more about everything because they were older and because they actually cared. So I think it would, I like loved it when he would win and then it would kind of show them. But I think probably in the situation, I would have just stormed out and been really stroppy with them. And then they would have gotten me in a wrestling lock after and I would have had to tap out and say sorry. And some one of them still does it now where it's not like the full on, but he'll pull my arm back. And I'm like, stop it, stop it. And he's like, Bia, you got to tap out, you got to tap out. And I'm like, I'm tapping out. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to listen. But you always have to listen. That's what I learned. When your brothers were performing, did you ever get to pedigree? <laughs> I don't ever think. I think that my real life tactic was fairly similar to when I played the game, where I would just cheat. And so, like, I, when I played the game, I just press loads of buttons, and it used to really annoy my brothers. They'd be like, "You're not playing it properly. You don't even do. You're not even trying." But then I'd still win. I guess that's very much like Triple H. Who? That's true. Yeah, I, I'm, in, I'm embodying Triple H. And then in real life, I would buy them a lot. I think and pinch them. Like the time they tried to wash my mouth out with soap for swearing. After oh God! It. Yeah, I remember. I like, literally ran to my friend's house down the street. It was only down the street, and I was just like, "I'm never coming back again." Oh, God. <laughs> that sounds like a wrestling plot. It was, it was, it was intense. But I think towards the end, I would start to beat them. I was the underdog, and everyone loves the underdog in wrestling. In my episode with James, we were talking about music, and he was saying how. His brother was into his older brother was into Nirvana, oh. and he felt like although he quite like quite like the sound of it, he didn't want to be into Nirvana because that was his brother's thing. Yeah, but I think it's quite interesting how 
if you're saying that you got into wrestling because of your brothers so it wasn't a case of splitting off and being like wrestling shit because they like it but yeah. it was like liking the thing they like but sort of twisting it in a way where you can win when Triple H... Because Triple H, I think, um, has like won more matches than pretty much anyone. Yeah. Like there was um, a period of wrestling which could not considered to be very good, which was Triple H's reign of terror, where pretty much he was just winning every belt and no one could beat him. And so this before it got a bit plotted down. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, it, like, did you see that? I guess you've already said that you saw it as a way. It's kind of like upping your... Yeah. Because <laughs> I think as well they... Especially the oldest brother. And I think that he kind of dictated everything. So I remember, so the reason that I like Tupac so much mm-hmm. is because we'd go on like four hour car journeys from Manchester to London. And because he was old and stroppy, it would be his music for like the entire time. So all of my family likes Tupac. My mum's got like a mixtape that he made, for, you know, with some of her favourite songs on. So I think that it's one of those things though, because it, because they both so heavily kind of dictated everything. Mm-hmm. If, Thankfully, I did like most of it. It would have been really annoying if I didn't. But at the same time, then, then there's no definition of kind of who you are and what your tastes are. Yeah, so yeah. I always quite liked the di- the same. I would still like Tupac, but would like some of the kind of softer, I guess, songs, whereas they might like the more aggressive mm. ones, which there's many. So I don't know if it's similar to that, if it's kind of like until until I don't know what I like or until all the things I like aren't childish because I was, you know, four years younger than that brother then maybe i would get on board but still have a little bit where where it was kind of me so i was the only one who liked triple h and yeah, yeah. you know i liked all of the softer songs and i remember when i first kind of realized that i quite liked acoustic guitar music i was like oh this is me and this is different to them and it's not you know me just branching off from liking all the music that they like but it's actually kind of new mm. and something that i found without them yeah Maybe it's because my brothers were older. Maybe I always had an inkling from them that it wasn't real. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to ruin anyone's hope. But um, so I don't know if like if I thought that the beef perhaps was more real, mm-hmm. and so then I I quite liked that because that was all the drama of it. And I think that it was the fear of them telling me that it, you know of them, of them knowing and that I'd look stupid because I didn't know. It's interesting, like like that blur between like reality and the fiction of it where you have these characters so like um the guy who plays triple h his real name is paul michael levesque Mm. but he but he is triple h like the man himself whenever he does an interview they'll introduce him as triple h and like so the rock's an example where he i guess for a time he tried to go by dwayne johnson but now he's dwayne Dwayne the the rock Rock johnson Johnson. (laughs) and there was um a famous i think it's referred to as like the madison square garden incident which was where Triple H was feuding with these other two wrestlers, but in real life they were his friends and they were leaving to join another company. And at the end of the match, he like hugged them. Oh. And basically, <laughs> and basically he got really punished for that because he was like breaking the illusion of it. Yeah. And they'd left, so he wasn't able to, um, they couldn't punish them. They had to sort of take on Triple H. I think he was supposed to get a, a belt or supposed to like um, be a contender for a belt, and they took that away from him and put him fighting sea listers for a couple of years. Oh my god! So Paul was a badass in real life, then. <laughs> but yeah, I just yeah, I don't know if I even have a question about it. But I just think it is really interesting that like blurring of the lines, or even with Triple H, with um, you'd say his relationship with Stephanie McMahon. Yeah. How they were a fictional couple that then became a real couple. Yeah, see, I didn't know that because I, well, I just assumed that it was real in the first instance and then afterwards just thought that maybe it, 
it wasn't and I'd lied about it all. But then they were. And then there's the people as well as it like now there's John Cena and like a girl who's I think I think a twin and they're all in wrestling. And I think they're dating or married in real life. Yeah. But it is then how do you know what is or isn't real then? Yeah. Paul might be a really nice guy. <laughs> in which case if he is, I don't know if it's true or not, but if he is, then to have that kind of consistently reinforced bad you know bad guy bad person thing he must have to be a pretty good actor yeah. so so maybe he isn't it's all an act well in terms of him being a nice nice guy i mean this doesn't dictate nice but it was um i saw quite a cute video of them doing like a mr and mrs type thing where it's kind of oh. like they'd um ask um stephanie like what's triple h's like proud achievement in wrestling and then she'd say this day and he they'd he'd confirm it and it was always that's kinda, really nice uh, and um i saw one where they were on a lip sync challenge shut up really? and they, they um do um a moana song and so it starts off with Stephanie does it and then it's sort of it's this big Triple H bloke like, singing with this like really sort of petite voice coming out. I wanna see, so they're still together yeah, now. Let's watch, the video. Let's watch <laughs> it. Okay, I quite like him again, actually. <laughs> all the emotions come flooding back yeah, after watching this. Maybe I he's not he's not so bad, you know. He's still in very good shape, yeah. but he's still like super head. We've been Valentine's Day recently. Um, I think Stephanie had put up a picture on her Instagram of like some roses that he'd sent her. And then he'd put up a video of, um, I think it's her filming him in the gym, like working out. It was like Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> I think that maybe he's more attractive than I thought. <laughs> Just the way he's like belted out those soft tones. He's doing it very well. A beautiful man. Yeah, clearly. Oh, well, actually in that, um, the Mr. and Mrs. type Maybe that's copyright. It's not actually Mr. and Mrs. But it was, that kind of, it was that kind of questionnaire. They did ask Stephanie if she preferred him with the long hair or the short hair. And Triple H says that her answer is going to be that she likes both. <laughs> to which she kind of, she says the same thing. I think the bald looks better, you know. I think just because the long hair was always greasy, I don't know how it can consistently be greasy. Why never wash it? Maybe it was part of his character. Maybe it was coconut oil or something. I don't know. <laughs> but I think your brother was saying that... Um, with his new look, he looks a bit like the maitre d' from First Dates. No, <laughs> he does, actually. He does. He's like, yeah. He's like, you know, a less delicately French version of Fred. Well, that is interesting because so before Paul Levesque was at WWE as Triple H, he was at WCW, so a different company, in which his character was French. <gasps> Maybe they're brothers. <laughs> he does look like him now, though, which I think may, and I think it's a good look. I think it's much better because then you don't have to worry about thinking what is in that head of hair. And also a spin-off, like a, a dating show with Triple H as the maitre d'. I mean, I would watch that. Yeah, I think from from his performance, I think that he would really get into it. I feel <laughs> like... like him telling you things about love. Yeah, I think that he'd give you a lot. And if they are still married, then that's quite a long... Must be quite a long time mm. if I if it was like at least ten years ago. Oh, I think it's quite a good choice, you know. I'm pretty happy with that. If he goes <laughs> on to do a version of like, first dates, then I'd be like, even happier. <laughs> I did see loads of um, like YouTube videos where people had put clips of Triple H and Stephanie McMahon together and put like really cheesy songs over the top. Like there's um, an Enrique Iglesias hero one, oh which is so good. <laughs> I bet they would really like it as well. Because the clip, he um, he's whispering something to her and they've put over over that bit, it's like, let me be your hero. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's really nice that they're still together. I'm just buying into it. I'm like, they had such a rocky start. I'd look at them. They've come through it all because love conquers all. So yeah, people are clearly invested in their relationship. Well, I am as well now. I think that it's really nice and she stood up to her dad for him. <laughs> <laughs> so Triple H, like, had 
an evolution as a character and had different stages and different sort of not maybe personalities but kind of maybe looks and such so i was thinking we go through those chronologically show you sort of the image and see see i get you to sort of say how that triple h and that sort of version works for you yeah and then also like talk about the that sort of era and if it conjures up any sort of uh, memories of triple h based on that time excellent see a timeline so this is good because i feel like it'll help me to um really understand how i do feel about him so this is from 1995 to 1998. Okay. So this is his first appearance as Hunter Hurst Helmsley. Oh my God, I remember that day. <laughs> and, or the Connecticut Blue Blood, oh. as he's known. So he's an aristocrat and his whole sort of shtick is that he wants to bring civility and class to the World Wrestling Federation. This would be interesting. There's no other two words that I associate with it. <laughs> so, I'll show you a quick image. Oh! I... So, I recognise him in his classy outfit with the white gloves. I always thought that was something taking the piss. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's got a cane. He's also... His trousers are kind of, like, ripped. I don't quite understand how that fits into the aristocrat <laughs> i just love the really pompous look on his face it's really does it very well and he's like looking at all the people trying to touch him as if like this is filth everyone's <laughs> trying to touch me i've got my ribbon in my hair don't play around with me do you like the hair you say it's greasy it looks not quite it as looks greasy. a bit more lush there yeah. it looks more like charlotte from sex in the city nice. always lush and shiny so you know good marks for the hair he doesn't look very good i don't think with any without any facial hair do you feel like as someone who liked him as a heel do you do you like the aloofness of him is it him sort of like looking down on the crowd as you say i i mean i think it's a bit arrogant to be honest because i don't i don't i feel like he's look maybe this is where it comes in he's it's like he's looking down at them because he's a posho mm -hmm. and if there's one thing you know that i don't get on board with it's like i love the way that that person looks down on the other person <laughs> if he does it because he's well out and you know they can't go near him that's a different thing but if he's just like oh i'm so much so much more of a class than these people that i'm not into but um in that entrance he would have a different woman sort of bring him on stage he would. Each there's week. nothing classy about that okay <laughs> he's bringing another woman in each time do you know what's classy him and stephanie now how long they've lasted how well they can answer questions on that mr and mrs type show but it's, it's interesting how like triple h so hunter hurst helmsley is triple h and they're the same character yeah. but like in terms of the like the narrative like how does that individual go from being that posh guy to being like the heavy metal dude but they yeah. kind of they kind of they are the same person yeah it's just interesting. which is interesting maybe wrestling changed him he was in the game he realized that you can't bring civility and class to wrestling <laughs> and so then he just turned into one of them and ended up becoming a biker chick <laughs> <laughs> okay so next is the degeneration x era degeneration x <laughs> <laughs> so this is from 97 to 1999 okay I think I was definitely involved with him around this time, but let's see. So this is the, the whole of D-Generation X. Yeah, I remember that. Oh my god, I remember that. See, his hair was still lush. I like the cash blue jeans and the tight top so you see what's going on underneath. <laughs> this is like a good segue, I think, between Hunter's Helmsley and, and the Triple H character. So this is the Attitude Era, and that was considered to be the time when wrestling became more adult and more sort of, um, it was much more, there'll be blood in the fights. Yeah. And it was um, more, they'd have swearing in it. And it was kind of, um, I think that was the time where they kind of like pushed everything to the max. They were, it was just all going on. It was really heightened for everything. And the, 
the fights and the way that it happened and the things that were unfair that happened and people would pull ladders out from under the thing and then climb up the ladders and jump off and it was just like extra <laughs> so extra <laughs> and um it's actually interesting going online to see um people's response to the attitude era like there is very much like two camps like there's some people who like wrestling needs to go back to this this is when it was good and other people like looking and go like actually like that was kind of like a bit of a gross like time actually yeah. and i think um degeneration x is seen as being like one of the um main like images of that era and they were kind of i can't think of a better way to describe it they're very like dude bro-y like they were kind of like jokesters and, sort yeah. of stuff. and they would do crotch chops that was their mm. i don't quite know how to describe that i guess it's you kind of cross cross your hands around the wrist area and then you just <laughs> you put point towards your cross and thrust at the same yeah, time yeah <laughs> exactly yeah it's the thrust move and so is that an aspect of triple h that you enjoyed him being like yeah because i think he's quite so yeah he's uh, he's a bit more light-hearted in this era but I think the the D Generation X move. So you should you should YouTube it if you've not seen it because there's a lot of attitude in it. I feel like it's, I mean it's like a super disrespectful <laughs> move that you just do that to people. <laughs> but I think maybe that's where I started to be like he's a bit more badass rather than pompous, and it's just so so iconic that like the the shouting of kind of D Generation X and then the move and it all it just is there all the time and he i think sean michaels was like the leader of degeneration x and he was kind of like um, the second in command maybe but like did you get into them as like a team as like a unit or was it all just about triple h i definitely knew about sean michaels i don't think i liked him though and maybe because he didn't have the the looks to offer at the same (laughs) way that triple h did so i think yeah i think that i must have quite liked them as a kind of a gang with their disrespectful crotch, th- crotch thrusting. Because mm-hmm. how to say it? Isn't yeah. It? But yeah, I think Triple H in that tight top is bringing back memories. <laughs> <laughs> He's just very blue jeans as well. It's so blue. <laughs> and there was a, a a rival team which featured The Rock and Degeneration X went to the stage and did a like caricature performances of The Rock and his team. But all their team were, I think, Black and Samoan. And mm. so you have basically Triple H and that team like all blacking up essentially. And it's that thing where Triple H actually does quite a good impression of The Rock, but you've got this element that you didn't have to black yeah. up. Like this would have been funny if you hadn't <laughs> j- just gone for the extreme. Yeah, because I mean they all they all have very developed characters and personas. So it's like you can say one phrase or you can move your hand in a certain way or do the eyebrow thing, and everyone would know who you're talking about. Yeah. So it's not like as it yeah I think that's. That was definitely not the thing that characterised those people. It's like, say the catchphrase, jump up out of a coffin, you know, wear a one-strap leotard thing if you want to be the big show, and people will know who you're trying to be. And I guess it's because a lot of them are quite extreme. You know, Mm. Kane was very distinctive in outfit and in the fact that he never spoke and stuff like that. Uh, I've sure read somewhere that he, it, eventually a plot turned out that he was like from hell or like something. Uh, yeah, I think he was. <laughs> I, think, I think he was. And yeah, I think, and you, and some of them were kind of a bit more comical and funny. And then there were the people that looked good. So like The Rock, I'm very sure, you know, he was there because he was kind of the face, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I think that they, yeah, they did quite well at having distinct types of things like classic and, and a bit rough around the edges or just gross Triple H. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so then the next, maybe this is the most iconic, the next look was the game. yeah. Um, so that's the time to play the game. It's all about the game. And now you're playing. 
So, um, actually, I was quite from the wiki. So he moved away from his DX look, taping his fists for matches, sporting yeah. new and shorter wrestling trunks and adopting a shorter hairstyle. A shorter, greasier, wet look hairstyle <laughs> is what they mean to say there. So that's the game. Yeah, this is the one. This is like the poster that I used to have, <laughs> to have on my wall. So how does that look? So he's got his greasy dripping hair and see what I mean? It is very greasy looking. Super hench. And then his tiny little shorts. I forgot actually about the wrist taping. And he's got the um, the stubble. He's got a little beard on this one, actually, like a goatee thing going on. To me now, I would 100% say no. I would say <laughs> more of a no than it may be any of the other looks. But this was definitely the time. But what about the three H's on his... And there's the bigger one in the middle, and then the two little H's on the either side. Yeah. <laughs> I should specify on his trunks. Is <laughs> No, it's not a good look. But he he seems to have gained. I don't know if he's. He seems to have gained mass. I think from yeah. the food. like he's he's looked massive. Now. Yeah, he's very much got that like triangle thing going on. So in the other ones, he was like a buff person that wears tight tops to emphasise the muscles. Mm-hmm. Whereas in that, it's like muscles on muscles, which it seems like he's kind of kept a bit mm-hmm. now. But yeah, that was it. Was it was the time of the game. The it's all about the game. It's just in my head. That was like that was the poster that I liked of him, and I honestly couldn't tell you why. <laughs> and um, this was kind of the time. I mean, as you actually said, he sort of he changed his gimmick, and that he stopped being a fun-loving, rebellious person to a tough, somewhat sadistic and mean man. He was very mean. And this is clearly the thing that drew you to him—the meanness. Yeah, which is so weird. He was a really big bully. He was. I remember there was. And I can't, I never remember who the other people were, probably because I was too busy focusing on him as the game. But I, he just, he used to be really cruel and they were, and there was just the whole surrounding around him that, and people hated him for it. He was just not very nice. I just had a kind of flashback as well of, I feel like people used to boo when the game, when Triple H won quite a lot. Mm -hmm. I feel like he was not liked by anyone. Maybe that's one of the reasons, maybe I felt sorry for him, <laughs> because people disliked him, and even though he was a terrible person, to just hear so many people, because like the crowd would get well into it, to hear so many people kind of booing when someone wins, yeah, yeah. I think maybe got to me. Well, so in my research, there's a, an idea of being over in wrestling, so a, um, a face, for a face to be over, the crowd is cheering them. And for a heel to be over, the audience is booing them. Oh. And, it's a, and it's the idea that that's kind of where you want to be. That's when you're being yeah. the most successful. And there's, I saw um, I think a YouTube video called um, uh, something like 10 wrestlers that Triple H couldn't get over. And in my head, I was like, oh, Triple H, why couldn't you get over them? And <laughs> and it's, it's actually this idea of when you have a new face joins the company, you put them against a heel who's like big and you have Triple H do something horrible to them to get the crowd on their side. But then sometimes for whatever reason, that wrestler doesn't sit well with the crowd and that's the idea that they haven't been able to get them over because that's the job of a good heel or a good face is to get the other person over. Yeah. Triple H is very good at being unlikable. (laughs) Like I feel it now, even though at the time I must have, I'm, you know, was along for the ride, I guess. But, um, he was, yeah, he was a winner. And even if he didn't actually win, he'd probably then just attack someone like in the changing rooms and say that he'd won, you know, the next time. He was very much a, like, grab the mic off people and threaten them and call everyone out and then would beat people up when they were unsuspecting. Uh, so I saw quite a cool interview with him where he, this is kind of seen as the moment where he kind of became the game. And he's um, 
talking about when he was demoted because of hugging his friends during that match. Mm. And he's sort of talking about how like, they were my friends and they wouldn't let me say goodbye and they ruined it for me and they came for me because I'm Triple H. And he talks, he's like, and now I'm going to be the best ever. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting verse firstly because it's that acknowledging the real life hug it's, it's like incorporating it into the narrative yeah. and I, I, I do find that really fascinating about wrestling that kind of that, that point where the real life and the fiction they can't be pulled away neatly they, they yeah. kind of they're intertwined but um yeah it's just such a statement like a declaration of intent that like i'm gonna be the best yeah and it's a very him thing to say which is interesting because is it actually him as the game or him as himself saying that because you would be pissed wouldn't you if because of hugging your friends you then were kind of demoted a bit but that's what they do really well like I always tell a lie better when there's some bit of truth weaved <laughs> in even if it's like an ounce but to me it makes it seem more realistic and I guess that's what they do because then even what you might hear kind of in tabloids and stuff around it is probably to do with their real life but then it links in and can be brought into the mm. The wrestling life as well, which is maybe why it keeps so many, you know, middle-aged American men hooked on. (laughs) (laughs) So then the next era was the McMahon-Helmsley regime. And maybe we should explain it. So the the McMahons, as far as I can tell, are the family who own the the WWE. Steve McMahon. And then um, Stephanie is his daughter, who... um, A bit I was watching where um, I think Stephanie is supposed to marry... Another wrestler, and then Triple H turns up. Yeah, he shows a video of how he's actually. Um, I think Stephanie was like, she's certainly unconscious. I think she's even from like alcohol or drugs. And then he like they go to Las Vegas and he like marries her while she's unconscious, and it's really creepy. Now that you've said it, I remember it being a very, very reluctant on her part initially, which is such a weird undertone to have. To just, to just be like, yeah, I, you know, drugged her or whatever. She's now my wife. She's really unhappy about you, but fuck you all. You know, this is going to happen. It's just so weird. Honestly, the arrogance behind it. It's funny how you've got that such a creepy start to a fictional relationship, which then actually turns into like a real life affectionate relationship. Yeah, I think the whole marriage thing with Triple H and Stephanie would probably, would that happen now? I don't know. Yeah, you'd hope not, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you'd so have like, a bit more consent, but then, maybe. Yeah, the fact that that happened, they were like, yeah, I think this is a good, you know, a good storyline. And what, what will happen is we'll make it into a kind of Stockholm Syndrome where well, then she does love him back. And yeah. it's, it's fine because that's the way that you get your woman. But um, essentially that era was brought to a close earlier than anticipated because Triple H tore his left quadricep. And actually, I think it came off the bone. And so, but actually, he continued that fight, even though he couldn't put any weight on it. He finished the fight that he was in during that oh time. Oh my God. And had to get carried off. And so, essentially, he was out for, I can't remember if it was six or nine months. You know, it was certainly like a significant period of time, maybe over half a year. And then he comes back at this uh, Madison Square Garden, I assume it must have been WrestleMania or some big yeah. event. And it's interesting how it has him having been a heel when he left. He comes back and he gets. Probably the biggest reception I've ever seen at a stadium event ever. Like, it's the way he's kind of like hunched over at the beginning. He looks so massive. And yeah. then when he comes on, and you just like, as someone who's 
not been interested. I was just like captivated by how much everyone's into it. People, you know, he he was definitely a major character. And then clearly in the way that I kind of liked him, other people must have as well. Because I think with, you know, like I was saying, without him, I, I kind of remember some of the other characters and I remember a lot of bits, but he's definitely the central point, which might have been because I had some weird fancy thing with him. But I think it's also just because he was like, he was just huge. He was it. And he was the body that everyone loves to hate. And then if you take him away, everyone else is just a bit kind of mediocre and sad. Yeah. Well, I guess heroes are only as good as the villain. Like you need yeah. that person to be like, cause as I was saying earlier, that, that fight where I watched where he was being a bully. Like, like so quickly, I was just like, God, I hate him. Like, I really want to see like someone come and like take him off his pedestal yeah he rallies them clearly he rallies everyone up i wonder if um if at the time like the crowd as well found out that he'd injured it he'd like injured himself you know part way three but then finished the fight mm-hmm. maybe then as well people were like god he just loves it he loves what he does so much <laughs> yeah. you know it's, it, like maybe then they were very pleased with his return as well but um in that um entrance he's got the he's got the denim jacket and then um he like he's carrying like a, a bottle of like a little bottle of water in his hand and it's kind of like, like why are you like <laughs> it's sort of it's not, it doesn't really go with your like your leather clad like image and but then he gets to the stage and he like he drinks it and he kind of like sprays it yeah oh yeah he does doesn't he yeah he spits it all out and it just falls back on him yeah and, he kinda, oh. like, he, and then he like arches his back and he kind of like spreads his arms out and it kind of like and the crowd just goes crazy like he's yeah i guess he's he's very like how do you even describe it? Um, it's like an, going back to an essential dominant male, isn't it? It's like he just comes out and spreads his, spreads himself out everywhere. Whereas a lot of the other ones, I think, had more of a kind of character around them. There, you know, there were other things. Whereas I think his was just like he's out to get whatever he wants, and he's like very manly and buff. So speaking of um, his manliness and masculinity, my only big quote that i've got for um, this episode <laughs> or i guess um idea was is from um daniel m souliers wrestling with masculinity messages about manhood in the wwe oh and basically she did some quantitative research to sort of determine what the idea of manliness is in wwe and so it's lined up six messages that they put forward to men from the wwe so message one Real men are aggressive and violent. <laughs> was Chris Triple H's aggression and violence, was that signal to you? Was that something you liked? Yeah, he was definitely very aggressive and violent. I mean, he would start a fight with anyone, you know, out of the ring. And he was, yeah, I would say quite aggressive. And then um, message two, men settle things physically. Yep. And he it- was never much of a talker, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting because I mean I think most of this was done by whenever the ter- whenever the word man was used in WWE, and it's a lot of um, in this particular message about selling things physically. It's yeah. like come and fight me as a man, yeah. And that's kind of like the idea of masculinity they're putting forward is that idea that men act in this particular way to solve issues, yeah. And I guess they have to do that because it's like wrestling is kind of <laughs> the main point <laughs> of it, so they are going to have to fight. But it's like even the Stephanie thing that, like you were saying, was not her decision. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, I'm going to take her from this other man. I'm going to do it in this way. Yeah, yeah. And it's like it's settled between the men. I, I haven't seen enough about this to actually have a, a real opinion. But the place of like the women 
in wrestling, a few of the clips I've seen are kind of weird. Like, they just seem like they're kind of, their intros are very much almost like porn star yeah. intros. Like, it's almost like they're kind of like an extension of the man to show like how like masculine he is because he's got the um, super attractive yeah. woman. And then there's like weird taunts. Like, there's one of the fights that the women would have would be like a bra and panty match. And it's who can. They did. <laughs> they did. Yeah. It was like who could take, who could take the other ones off yeah. first. And there's lots of like, I guess there's different ways to do it because you could have a version, I guess, of wrestling where it's men versus women, which is like quite egalitarian. Mm. But it seems like a lot of the times when the, the men fight the women, it's very demeaning to the women. Like it's lots of like, I guess, um, even like taking their clothes off or like spanking or like it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty gross actually. Yeah, it is. And there was a lot less of the, you know, there'd be kind of one token woman who wasn't super attractive and who didn't wear like a skimpy outfit. So I remember one, I don't know if she was like Rey Mysterio Jr.'s like cousin or something like that, but I remember she used to be quite like gymnastic and she'd jump off and do all this and she wore like baggy trousers and that was her look. And other than that, all the ones that I can remember would come out in like skimpy outfits and would would have a link with the men and would, you know, take each other's bras and panties off yeah. and stuff like that. So it was, or, you know, apart from that, so that one token lady and then Stephanie who was in a, much more of a position of power so, you know, she was always in her classy outfits or whatever, asking daddy for money or asking Triple H for whatever. The rest of them just all blur into one as people with like hair extensions and, um, and yeah, like underwear on for the whole time. So, and you did, you just didn't see them as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I can't remember if this was with, um, China. So Triple H is, I think, first girlfriend in the WWE mm. or with Stephanie, but there was like a clip I was watching where, I think maybe she's got the ability to give him a title shot and she doesn't want to. And he kind of like grabs her by the hair and pulls her back. And it's um, like outside the context of like the wrestling, which is like very much like the, the art they're doing. It It's really, I don't know, it has tinges of domestic abuse, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's... yeah. I think the people that watch wrestling and the way that wrestling is designed is there is a kind of culture of men settling things as men you know and it being all about the the top dog and the biggest and the baddest and you might get one who's a bit nifty you know and able to do it without being super dominant and overtly aggressive but a lot of the time it's like how big and how bad are you yeah and the women are there to put like the numbers up and <laughs> um and to have like their one-off fight which you know is entertaining because they're trying to get each other's clothes off and stuff like that but it's not really the same type of respect i don't think well from, from what i can tell maybe not in the maybe less so in the wwe but in other wrestling um federations or groups i guess there seems to be more of a push to like have um the female athletes be sort of on a par with the men and having them being not just were well, not not objectified and um yeah. even, even the wwe i think ronda rousey has recently joined the wwe i did see that yeah so, like, that seems like a cool like development yeah and i haven't to be fair when i would have watched it it would have been like well over 10 years ago. Yeah, it would have been like 15 years ago or something. So I think that it probably was much more representative of, of the time as well. Mm. Whereas now I think it's... I, and I think like you were saying, now I think it's appreciated more for what it is. So rather than it, is it real or is it fake? It's kind of, it's entertainment and there's wrestling in it, but there's also storylines around it and these people are athletes and, mm-hmm. and often like gymnasts and stuff like that. So I think that... There is a bit, I think that it has changed probably. Be interesting to see it now. In Daniel M. Solier's essay about wrestling, this idea of there being like a socialising culture, I guess, of telling men how to act. And it was also these, as well as the messages, there was this idea of 
constant like proof of manhood that you always had to show yourself to be a man and also questioning other people's manhood like emasculating mm. the other wrestlers and it's kind of because of that I don't don't quite answer. I guess there's like there's a douchey fan base of wrestling. Like that's a significant chunk of people who like wrestling. And I'll have a go at her long quote. So, um, alternative masculinities such as non-violent, emotionally centered masculinity are effectively masked and even shunned within the context of professional wrestling by highlighting the characteristics of masculinity associated with the white heterosexual middle class men. The WWE messages stifle both minority and homosexual versions of manhood which may inadvertently foster racist and or homophobic attitudes. Yeah. Heavy. Heavy, heavy topic. But um, yeah, I think that that's true. I think that it's so over... Well, so I can only talk for the time when I was watching it as well. I don't know what it's like now. Mm -hmm. But at that time, it was so, you know, over that manliness was one set thing. And if you showed any sign of weakness or divergence from that or lack of front I guess it would be pounced upon and it was not you know it was not accepted and it was not a thing to be cheered on you know that would be probably where everyone would cheer when whoever that person that diverged was would be put down and I think that um yeah it was it probably just emphasized a lot of the it's like a school kind of a pressured Mm, school system where it's like you you have to conform it you know to these ideals of what it's like to be a a strong man and in in this case a wrestler and if you if you don't match that then there's kind of a, a no tolerance and I think because a lot of of what wrestling is is people getting hyped I imagine that then if it's anything to if, if anything like that happens within a wrestling setting mm-hmm. I don't think that a crowd would kind of take too kindly for it because they're so riled up about everything yeah I wonder what it is like now and how different it is because like, cause if you were saying that that kind of era was the era where they upped kind of, you know, everything, the people before that were still similarly kind of manly, some of them kind of overly tanned in terms of fake tan, not actual real tan. But I wonder if there has been any shift or change. Yeah, I mean... I guess as we were saying earlier, I mean, I don't know if you're wrestling now, but the, the, just the appointment of Ronda Rousey seems like a step yeah. because she is like so famous as an athlete and as yeah. like i guess it's fighting the right term like as a yeah she as a fighter yeah. so um if you've got characters like that and she, she i guess she could headline an event and so it wouldn't just be like because what they called there was the the male athletes i don't know if they had a name but then the women were called the divas yeah and so it's got even that i would imagine they probably didn't get main billing yeah and would ronda rousey be happy to class herself as a diva <laughs> i don't know but then i think well, it would be interesting again it'd be interesting to see how she is received because because she is very well respected in her own right but there is also the whole conversation around her of her being attractive as well so i don't know if the, I, I don't know if people will be on board because of that and maybe i don't know if they'll try to kind of deny her athleticism and you know strength and power in her own right or whether because she's beautiful, maybe it will be a segue into women as athletes and not always being the ones that no one likes because they're, you know, it's like they might be athletic and they might be powerful and they might win, but people don't like them because they're not, you know, girly or mm. they're not as pretty as the other ones. Yeah. And then we move into the ruthless aggression era. Oh, excellent. Which yeah. 2002 to 2008. Sounds worse than the Attitude <laughs> Era. <laughs> but this was... um 
I think more PG. So this picture, he looks younger, so I'm not sure if, if I've got these out of the right order, but this is um, his look for the evolution phase. This is 2003. He does look younger, but maybe it's because he doesn't have any facial hair. Mm. Do we like the clean shaven? No, I think clean sha- clean shaven shows more of his face. I think it's a bad move. He's still got the horrible hair. He's got some nice um, elbow pads on as well as Red his... trunks, a bit of colour. Yeah, I think the red trunks is a good look, you know. I think it's a good look and he still looks huge. He looks a bit um, less angry there. Yeah, this might have been when he was maybe a heel. But I, I think oh, I, that would sorry, make sorry, sense. Sorry, sorry, face, sorry, not. Yeah. But, um, but I think I um, read somewhere that I think maybe after the quad injury, he was never quite as good a wrestler, maybe. Like, he was mm. never quite as fast. It was much more like him being like a brute strength guy. And yeah. so people like, hold up his earlier fights as being some of his best. Yeah. It was his heyday. I liked him in his heyday. Okay, so to move away from the clean shaven, yeah. I'd like you to describe this facial hair that you had next. <laughs> Oh my god, was this a serious thing? He's got himself a handlebar moustache, which looks awful. Still with the long hair, holding his hammer. I mean, wearing a t-shirt at this point, which is interesting as well. I'm sure he's going to whip that off any minute now. That is a joke. There's no no way that anyone can be into that. I mean, you don't think that's peak Triple H? Um, I think that that's Triple H has lost the plot and is probably, you know, that looks to me like a scene from his wife leaving him <laughs> and him, him going wild, you know, trying to go to the caravan that he's going to find her in to get back at him. Honestly, that is just the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> you say that's the worst thing you've ever seen. I've got a clip. Oh no, which is, so no, this is the best thing you'll ever see. Okay. So this is an oversell apparently so basically if um say i do my finisher move on you and you sort of like shrug it off because i've not actually hurt you that would be an undersell and that's quite a disrespectful thing for you to do to me yeah and then an oversell is when i like kind of pretend that i'm hurt much more than i actually would be i guess i'm, I'm, not, I'm not really familiar <laughs> with these terms but so this is triple h's epic oversell in which he jumped off the corner i think um randy orton puts up his leg and his leg goes into his face and Triple H sort of is dazed for over a minute. Yeah. Did you feel watching that? You, that was like, oh, wow, I love this man. That's um, number one too long. Number two, he's got the terrible handlebar moustache, so I can't take anything he's doing seriously. But it's quite funny to watch it with the other wrestlers because they're kind of just as confused about why it's going on for so long. So one of them just starts to try and gently blow on him as if that's going to like wake him up. But it's just, I think that it's gone to his head. I also really like how when he starts recovering, he starts like shaking his head, like getting ready. And then you think that he's back and then he just falls straight that's down. That's why I was thinking all of that. So he stands there for over a minute, not doing anything. Everyone else around him is a bit confused. The ref doesn't know what he's meant to be doing. The person who's waiting to be tagged in, he's trying to blow him over. All of that for him to then fall over. I thought by the time he falls over, you forget why he was stunned in the first place. And then it's kind of lost its effect, isn't it? It's quite cool watching them do it, though, because so when Triple H jumps and his head is supposed to hit um, yeah. the foot, you can see, so Shawn Michaels, the guy who's blowing, he stomps his foot on the ground to make the big bang noise for when it happens. And you see the, ah. like, the, sort of the communication between the two of them there. So that's really cool. Yeah, I feel like they must have to do quite a bit of um, like improv as well, which I... That would be really interesting. Like, I wonder if after that they'd be just like to him, honestly, that was too long, Paul. You just need to calm down. It's all gone to your head. Shave that moustache off. 
Well, in fact, he did shave the moustache off. Thank you. Yeah, I should hope so. It's like an in-between stage of a shaving session. Actually, sorry, he didn't shave it off. He grew out the rest of it. Okay, well, that's that's fine. That's so, good. Uh, this is the Reign of Terror, which is when he was the unbeatable champ and everyone thought that um, the show suffered as a result of it. So that's his look there. Oh, I remember this. So this is... He's really taken the wet look for his hair to a new extreme. So it's like when you've just got out of the shower and you brush your hair and it sticks to your head. It looks terrible. <laughs> Better see the facial hair back on. Uh, interesting choice with the um, the little shorts that he's he's got on there with those trunks where he's got like a skull just right on his penis. Yeah. I mean, where else would you put it? It looks like the skull's got a dodgy moustache as well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's building on that. But yeah, you're right. Where, where else would you put it? He's got like his nice knee pads on as well. Looks like he's wearing knee high boots. Yeah. Although he's definitely lost something with not having that the handlebar moustache. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I think he's gained something. He looks, his physique looks different. He's got muscles in places. I didn't know you could have them. <laughs> like under his, like oh, where yeah. his arms are going back. Mm. It's almost like. It's like some wings are going to spare. Yeah, I was about to say wings. <laughs> He's, yeah, clearly, I mean, I get why Reign of Terror, he does look quite threatening. I don't know why that means his hair has to be so thin, though. And so after that, I'm not sure the specifics of how we ended up from that point to this point, but the next significant look is his COO look, which is when he sort of moves away from being a a constant wrestler. I think he um, referees some matches, but basically he's kind of the um, big, bad, like, money man type person. And so then that's his look there. I like this look. I think he looks good in a suit, I believe it. I think that his hair and beard ratio is still a bit off. It's quite, it's still, it's probably like a buzz, yeah. not a buzz it's, it's a shave, but like maybe like a number four, maybe. It needs to be a bit shorter to kind yeah. of... Yeah, that's what I think as well, to have the distinction, otherwise it all just blurs into one. But I think that he looks better, mainly because it's not so wet and greasy looking. <laughs> but I would, I would be a yes to this. Even though, you know, I'm sure as a money-making man, he's probably terrible. <laughs> Is that where he ends? Yeah, essentially, I mean, he's, as we say, he's got the, the more shaved look now. But that's kind of where he's at right now. It's quite the um, evolution, isn't it? Having gone through his history, are you interested in the future? Do you, do you think this will get you back into wrestling? I'm, I mean, I'm maybe in line with my other thoughts about wrestling. I'm really interested in his real life with Stephanie, <laughs> I feel like from this conversation I'm now invested I want to go and watch all the things where they're it's them together appearing on shows but then that's really nice yeah so uh, I guess that seems like a, a good point to end um thanks for doing this for you thank you for having me don't tell anyone